0: Sorry, got to put these back in order here. Good morning. Hopefully, you had an opportunity to pick up pick up a handout, as it has uh, little stick figures that you can draw on. So it's a, it's kind of fun. So um, we'll be continuing on in um, part two of thinking about the beauty of aging bodies. So um, and in case long, last week seems like a long time ago. Uh, which it does for me, probably for you as well. well, we'll start out with some review that will hopefully be helpful this morning. So, um, good. Let me just make sure I've got everything together. I think we do. All right. Good. Well, why don't I pray, and then we'll um, dive into um, this week's material. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to gather as your people to think about your truth as it's revealed in your word. We pray for your help this morning as we think about these things, that your spirit would work in our hearts to help us more fully see the glory that's on display in our lives and in turn the beauty that's on display in our lives and through our bodies. And we ask for your help in all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well... Um, Yeah, we'll begin by way of review. Just a few introductory things. Um, A lot of the content from this is coming from um, the project that I did for my doctor of ministry. So it's it kind of looks like this. It's just um, <laughs> uh, writing about these topics and trying to explore them somewhat thoroughly. And this is a great opportunity to just distill a lot of that so we don't have to get lost in the weeds of those things. But just in case you're ever wondering where some of this is coming from, or if you have questions, happy to talk about any of it more thoroughly. Um, but let's begin just kind of by reviewing what we talked about last week so we can then build on it uh, this week, as as we think in particular about beauty between the ages, um, why care about bodily beauty in the first place? Sometimes as Christians or in the Christian community, beauty itself can be jettisoned and it, by other things. But then also in particular, when it comes to thinking about our bodies, We can read some passages that talk about the transient nature of beauty or the relative nature of beauty, and we can sometimes be tempted to throw it out altogether when it comes to bodily beauty. But part of what we saw last week is that beauty is a really important thing for us, and bodily beauty in particular, because beauty is closely related to glory. Um, God is a glorious God. Uh, in and of himself, in his um, triunity, and then that glory flows out into his created order. And it's seen all throughout creation, not just in people, but everywhere we look displays the glory of God in some way. And if we think about what is God's glory, it's, it's multifaceted, right? There are all kinds of aspects to what is so glorious about God. And we can kind of use this analogy of a prism. We're going to keep using light analogies today, so hopefully that's helpful and doesn't lose you. But um, that triangular thing there is supposed to represent a prism, And as you send God's glory through it, you see the different wavelengths of things that comprise the glory of God, things like holiness and majesty and awe and beauty. And we saw the connection last week in Scripture between glory and beauty. And we could summarize beauty as saying, um, beauty is a quality of the glory of God that brings delight. Um, It's the part of God's glory that when we see it, something wells up inside of us that loves and appreciates and delights in um, what's before us. And that aspect of that um, we're going to call beauty. And what that means then is, if we think about our role as image bearers, we were made to see and to reflect God's glory, right? Um, We see his glory all around us, and the more we perceive that, the better. Uh, And then also, we as image bearers are uniquely designed to reflect his beauty. All creation reflects um, the, the glory and the beauty of God, but we in particular as image bearers. So... That, that's part of it as well. We were made to see and reflect beauty, and that happens in our bodies as well as inwardly, and uh, we'll see that. So um, that's just kind of why I think about beauty. It's important. It's related to the glory of God. Then what we looked at last week um, were different types of beauty, different types of beauty. This could also be described as, like, different aspects of beauty that we see. Um, And so scripture calls us to see beauty as a very big category, which makes sense because God's glory is a ginormous category, right? I mean, how can we think of any aspect of what we do that isn't somehow affected by the glory of God? So also beauty would be that way. The problem is um, we tend to view beauty in very small ways and especially bodily beauty. And so the kind of label that I have for that, it's just kind of a handle of our, our cultural perceptions of beauty that we tend to have. The handle that I give to it is selfie beauty or snapshot beauty. And if you're following along on your sheet, you could draw that little box on that stick figure there. But it's, it's just representing the fact that while selfie beauty is true, I mean, especially apart from distortions digitally (laughs) that we can also do. But while it can show something true, what it shows is actually a very small part of beauty. Um, It's culturally bound. It's time bound. It's often focusing on particular body parts instead of the entirety of the person, etc., etc. And and. What's um, interesting about this, or or difficult about this, I guess, is in particular, when it comes to thinking about beauty in our bodies and aging, the way we tend to think about it is we think of a beautiful selfie. (laughs) We think of what makes a beautiful snapshot, usually some idealized form of us, whether it was an age that we long to go back to, or a lot of times it's for a version of us that never even fully existed. Um, uh, if it could be like that, but my nose is a little different, or all that kind of stuff. That's what we hold out as the measure of beauty. And then aging in particular, or everything else is, is distance from that. It's loss from that. And scripture says, wait a minute, you're starting with something far too small. And um, that's what these other categories help us see. So um, as we think about, what scripture says is it talks about beauty and how it presents bodily beauty in particular. One aspect of it is holistic beauty. And holistic beauty is just the idea of zooming out to see the whole body of a person, as well as zooming out to see the entirety of the scene. And it zooms out all the way to see like, how we're related even to the rest of the universe. Um, You can just go on and on with thinking about how amazing it is of how we were designed to show the glory of God in this particular created order. And with holistic beauty, part of what it stretches us to see is the beauty of variety, right? When we think of selfie beauty or snapshot beauty, often, There are just five to ten images in our head of what a beautiful person might be. But holistic beauty calls calls us to zoom out and see the entirety of a person and the the entirety of the diversity of humanity made in the image of God. And what do we see? God didn't design us all to look the same. He designed us to show forth the beauty of variety by all these different body types and features and hair colors and configurations of how our bodies express the glory of the Creator God. And so it just it shoots the the those few snapshots, it just blows that at the smithereens and says, look at humanity and see the wonder of God's beauty put on display as we see differing um, body types. Another way of thinking of holistic beauty is Selfie beauty teaches us to look for particular notes, right? Maybe eyes that look like this or a mouth that looks like that. Holistic beauty says, notice all of the notes of the scale, of the piano. (laughs) Notice all of them and not only notice the variety of the notes, but then hear how the notes, when they're put together in various ways, compose a beautiful symphony. That's holistic beauty. Okay, and then um, fitting beauty is really capturing how the Bible holds forth the, the beauty of something being what it's supposed to be, just functioning as it was made to function. Um, you think of the beauty of just a flower as it exists, and it's not just utilitarian beauty. The lilies are praised in Scripture, and one of the things that's so interesting about the particular lily plant that's praised is it has no utilitarian function other than beauty. It's not that, oh, you can also use it to eat or something like that. It's not just its usefulness. It's being what it was made to be, a flower that delights our eyes. There's something that's just right and good about that. And when we think about fitting beauty, part of what it calls us to realize too is that there's a fittingness to the various stages of life. There's a fittingness to the various stages of life. Selfie beauty and snapshot beauty makes us think that what's truly fitting is just that beautiful picture that's just captured when you're 22 or 27 or 17 or whatever that is. That's what's fitting. That's what's right. But when we think about the fact Adam and Eve were created to fill the earth and multiply... um, we realize that this progression of human life is not something that's necessarily fallen. It was always something part of God's good design, that that we would start as babies and grow through various stages of life. And what that means then is in each phase of life, even though it, re, it reveals things of fallenness that we'll talk about in just a moment, because death has been introduced into the equation, the progression of bodily life in and of itself, has fittingness to it. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk about that a, a little bit more, but looking for the um, fittingness and appropriateness of each phase. And then finally, when we think in these categories, there's also ethical beauty. Um, ethical beauty being something that's leading you toward God rather than away from him. And we talked about how as Christians, sometimes we too sharply distinguish between inner beauty and outer beauty. And um, we can say, oh, you don't need to worry about outer beauty because inner beauty is all that matters. I, I think that's treading on too sharp of a distinction because inner beauty is shown through our bodies. Godliness is always put on display through a body. Think of what patience looks like. It doesn't just float out there. It's the look on someone's face when life is going crazy and there's still something there that's that's patience and it's being expressed in a body right um, these godliness isn't just an abstraction it is shown through our body parts the beauty of a compassionate look the beauty of a loving touch um, these are ways of seeing ethical beauty on display in our bodies okay I feel like I'm saying a lot of words and not breathing. <laughs> I would like to just open it up for questions. I know there's still a lot to cover, and I really want to get to that, but I, I think we could afford a few minutes just in case anyone's like stuck on this or have anything that I could just clarify. If not, it's also fine, and we can move on, and I'll confuse you with the rest of it. So, But just in case, I want to open it up. Any thoughts as you've been kind of thinking about that this past week? Thanks, Michael. Yeah, Mike. Hey Craig, just a question. You talked about the progression of bodily life mm-hmm. being something that's good pre-fall. Yeah, and talk a little bit about that compared to like once there was a sin. Now their, their bodies age in a different way, Adam and Eve. Like, yeah, yeah. So we we realize pre-fall there must have been this intended progression. We see that that's there. There's a lot we don't know about what that would look like because the fall has so permeated the fact that from conception we are moving toward death in some way. I mean, we come out of the womb growing and progressing in ways, but also moving toward death. death. And so that layer is always present there. We're going to talk about that with the blue light aspect of it. And so it does get tricky to tease out what parts of this phase of life are fallenness and what parts of it are good that's remaining. That's always tricky. But I, th- what I want to push back on is I think we tend to think since we are progressing towards death, therefore the progression itself is a fallen wrong thing and we lose the goodness in it. Is that helpful at all, or um, and some will explore just a little bit in blue light, um, which probably sounds really strange. Yeah, Beth. Just one sec. Yeah. How do you mix in the um, idea that sin has an effect? Yeah. And the effect doesn't always seem beautiful to us. Mm, yeah. I'm just going to say. That's what the whole rest of the class is like. How do we hold those things together? So this is really good to me. These questions are showing we've got the categories, but what does that mean now? Because it's actually a really complicated thing, right? So that's that's really helpful, and we'll explore it. And if, we, if that doesn't help, ask me again. Anything else? Yeah, Elise? So I... Love everything you're saying, and I don't disagree. (laughs) You can disagree. That's a, yeah, up front. Um, I'm wondering about Proverbs 31, Mm -hmm. where it says, charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. Uh So I'm sure you've done work with that. Yeah. So help. Yeah. When we read passages like that, um, what it's speaking about is, so we have a tendency to take good gifts like beauty and worship them, and make them the ultimate thing. And selfie beauty kind of takes a picture of that and says, move toward this. What scripture pushes back against is that while beauty is a good thing, it's not the ultimate thing. It's a gift to be received and accepted. And part of what's really tricky about beauty is if you cling to it, you will especially notice its fleetingness Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a temporary good that morphs and changes over time. And, and that passage is in particular speaking about outward appearance that's being valued, I think, somewhat at the expense of these other aspects of beauty that are always there. Does that make sense? So it, it draws out this um, um, negative aspect of beauty as we experience it, this side of glory, in that it's fleeting, and if you grasp, seek to grasp it more than it should be, you notice its elusiveness. That's some of it. Someone asked me last week, too, about, because um, I said uh, there aren't references to ugliness um, of image bearers. In um, Isaiah 52, with the suffering servant, I, I think what that's getting at there is um, there was nothing about the appearance of Jesus that led to him being seen um, as something standoutish or amazing. Not necessarily saying he was ugly. It's more he was not a noticeable. um, In particular, in contrast to like Saul, who was noticed and sought to be a king. Um, Jesus as the servant comes in a very different form than that. So that's a thing. Yeah, Kevin, and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on. These are great. So are you saying that standards of beauty tend to be narrow and cultural and that's not a good thing or it's an okay thing um, and we, um, we're inclined to move toward things that are more beautiful and away from things that are less beautiful? Or How do we deal with the things that we deem less beautiful if they're not in and of themselves sinful? Yeah. Um. Yeah. the The first question in that was, um, am I saying we we tend to view things as too small, like bodily beauty, too small? And I think that's true. And I, it's not that it's all wrong; it's just incomplete, and we want to add more to it. How do we view things that are less beautiful? Um. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we could talk about that for a really long time. But I, I think a lot of the goal is to learn to see the beauty of what's there. But but yeah, um, it also will be, we'll notice, especially if you think about things like ethical beauty and stuff like that, um, there, there can be an unfittingness and an ungodliness that... Um, that makes it wise to distance oneself from especially longing for what's being put on display there um i know that doesn't really say enough but we could this is good we could follow up more on that uh in other ways so let me then with with these questions i think what's helpful to see is i think this next part will be relevant which is always cool as a when you're teaching to say oh i think we should talk about this so Let's think then about how we take these categories and how we think about them in the mix of the complexities of this life, which is what's being asked in in various ways here. In order to do that, we have to start with the glory story. Since beauty is so closely related to glory, we have to think about how glory is functioning in, in this present age. And so this is a story we're probably all relatively familiar with, but God begins the story in creation in Genesis 1, and there's glory that's put on display there. Also, one thing that we may not always think about is that there was a hope of consummation that was held out even in the garden. Um, Adam and Eve had the ability to fall. Um, While they were still eating of the tree of life, that was a, a far better state than we are presently in, but it wasn't the idealized Um, final consummate state, there was a better confirmed holiness that was held out to them. Had Adam and Eve obeyed and um, walked with God, it would have led to confirmed holiness in some way. And again, you could talk about that for a long time. Instead of that, though, um, we know what happened. Genesis 3 comes, and the fall happens, and it's a tragedy in the literary sense of the word. Um, It it brings the story down into brokenness and um, despair. Glory is not destroyed, but it's marred, and things are no longer as they should be. But the amazing thing is that the storyline of Scripture is a divine comedy, And again, in the literary sense of that, a comedy not being ha-ha, but a comedy identifying something that the ending of the story is better than the beginning and it's higher than the deepest point in the tragedy. Um, That's what the storyline is working toward, a glory that surpasses all the loss. Um, And so that's, that's what we're headed toward in that consummation glory. But how does that happen? Well, The age to come breaks into this age through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Um, Heavenly life busts into the here and now um, in Jesus' resurrection, ascension, and pouring out of his spirit. And then at his second coming, what's going to happen, which is referred to as his parousia, his appearing, um, this age that is passing away, it will be no more. And it will all give way to the age that is to come. This new heavens, new earth of Revelation 21 and 22 um, will be our existence. And so until then, though, we find ourselves in this spot, (laughs) in the overlap of the ages. And as you can tell, even just from a chart like this, it's a complicated place to be, right? Especially as we think about what that means of God's glory. We are the people on whom the end of the ages has come. The appointed time has grown very short. The present form of this world is passing away. Paul says all of this in 1 Corinthians. But that means that right now we live in this spot of this mixed nature of glory that is lost, glory that remains, and glory that is breaking in. And so all of that is going to factor into how we see and understand beauty because all of this is true at once, and it's all presently true in our bodies and how they show beauty. Um, And so I think a helpful way of understanding this can be, again, to think in terms of light. Um, As we think about beauty between the ages, I think this light illustration can be helpful to us. As we've already talked about with a prism, when we're thinking about the glory of God and the different wavelengths of that, um, light, white light comes into a prism and then the prism shows us that that light is actually composed of various wavelengths, right? Multiple things are going on in this light that we perceive as white. And if we look at what's going on with light, there's this whole spectrum of waves, but visible light... Has three primary colors to it: um, blue, green, and red. And you see, you know, one on each side of the spectrum, one in the middle of the spectrum. If you've ever uh, worked in theater or noticed what's going on on stage, you'll notice that the lights—they have red lights, blue lights, and green lights—and when you look at the stage, it looks white, white light. And but you can adjust the lighting um, by how much you dial up these different colors. Um, we need all of these wavelengths to see things accurately. The eye takes these different wavelengths and then perceives white light. And I think this is a helpful way of thinking about how we see the world that we live in presently and how we see our bodies in this state of life between the ages. We need all the wavelengths to be able to see it accurately. Um, But we tend to maybe not see all of them. So let's think for a moment. And what I'm doing then is taking this light illustration of blue light, green light, red light that we need to see the whole picture and just saying, I think those map on really well to the biblical categories of creation lost, um, glory lost, glory that remains, and glory that's being gained. And we'll just kind of walk through that. And you can tell me if it makes sense or not. If it doesn't, we'll go back to the drawing board. So... um, Blue light, if we just think about this, it's, it, you could summarize it too as the things that give us the blues, um, the lamentable things in Scripture, things like, um, it's supposed to tell me something, the fallenness of creation. Sorry, I don't know why it's not moving. But I can just say those things, but I'm just wondering. There it is, okay. Um, the fallenness of creation, Sin and suffering that we experience, these are blue light aspects to living um, where we presently live, and the losses of life under the sun, and even the fleetingness of life under the sun. Um, And so this is what, really, if we look at books like Ecclesiastes, the preacher calls us to stare this blueness in the face, that the world as it was made to be, is in a very different form. And all of this blueness, oh, hey, Patty. Are you trying to do a presentation? I don't even know where Patty is. That's awesome. Um, That's cool. Anyhow, uh, so blue light, fallenness of technology. Um, Then we come to green light. Wow, it turns to green. That's cool. Green light there. Green light can signify the glory that remains. Um, I, I like thinking of green in terms of echoes of Eden that are there, especially as we think of Eden as this mountain garden experience. The remaining goodness of creation. Um, will someone just gesture when that uh, changes? I wonder, I don't think I can kick it off. Yeah, and it's just doing that. So Nice, okay, cool. So we have green light. The, the goodness that remains in creation. Um, We can see the echoes of Eden that remain, and those echoes are calling us toward um, glimpses of what we were made for. And we see this still in the world, even though it's fallen, right? And then red light can speak of glory being gained. This is something that we as believers can see in a way that I think unbelievers won't see and understand as well because we see it through special revelation. We know that there is a God who is working his redemptive plan to make all things beautiful in its time. Like that's what God is at work doing. And so this is always happening. Heaven's beauty is breaking into this age and the glory of heaven is on display in the fallenness of this age and in the fallenness of our bodies. Huh, there's probably a setting that would change some of that, but I don't know what it is. Everyone okay with the colors? Okay, so um, blue is glory, lost, beauty lost, green, glory, beauty that remains, and red, the beauty that's being gained. And when you put these all together, oh, I'll just wait. When you put them all together, you see um, white light. We get a more accurate picture of, of what things really are. Um, And we'll look at that picture in a minute, I guess. And so understanding this, as we see this in Scripture, it helps us do two things. It helps us see, like part of growing as a Christian then, I think, shaped by these things, is learning to see the various threads that are always there, the various wavelengths that are um. Even when you can't see them on the screen, <laughs> you know that they're there. Um, so it helps us see them and train our eyes to look for them, and then it also helps us understand that as we go throughout life, part of our lived experience is is more like what it's like being on a stage where these different colors might be dialed up in particular phases, right? There are seasons of life that are very blue. The blue light is most intense. Green remains, red is there, but we are most aware of the blue. There are seasons of life that are just celebratory of the goodness of God's creation. They're very green, and the the blue notes uh, take more a background work, and sometimes we're not looking as much for the redemptive work that God is doing. And so this helps us understand this particular place that we're in. I'd like to try and take a moment to get this to work because I have a visually dependent um, presentation today since it's about, it, it feels like when you're at home in the living room and it's like, what? what just happened? Where did the football game go? And everyone's freaking out. All right, there's that. And then, yeah, now we can, whoops. It's even more beautiful when you've waited for it, right? That's kind of how it is. That's yeah. So this was all just an illustration that we planned a while ago, but I forgot. It's fallenness, it's fallenness exactly. So the blue light is passed for the moment. Okay, um, ready for this? You take all the wavelengths together, though, and you see the beauty of what... You want to do it again. That's really fun. Okay. Okay, so we've seen these different layers, blue, green, and you see part of the picture, but you can see it most clearly when you see it all happening at once, that it's all there. And that's where we need to go with how we understand um, our bodies. So thinking about our bodies between the ages, um, which is on, on page three there, what I want to do then is just parse through applicationally the ways we see blue, green, and red light at work in our bodies. And in particular, oh, that's cool. Uh, glory lost, remains gain. Could be beauty, too. So thinking about our bodies between the ages. The first part of this is blue, right? Learning to see the blue. Seeing and responding to the beauty that was lost. And you'll notice on your handout, this one has the most space. And part of the reason I want to do that is... I, I just think there's a lot there. And then it kind of builds for the for the other parts. Um, the blueness of our fallenness often becomes much more apparent with age, doesn't it? If we just think about aging, um, we probably think of it as blue light turning up more and more. Um, awareness of our fallenness. Our bodies can't do what they did. This is the Ecclesiastes 12 part of it, right? Our our eyes grow dim. It gets harder to hear. We may have body parts that are removed from disease or aren't working correctly. Our minds aren't working in the same way, and we'll talk about that next week with the glory of aging minds and dementia. Um, Our bodies are showing aspects of the fall. They are showing that they are progressing toward death. And every ache... And every doctor's appointment, every bad medical report, our scars are showing us and testifying to the fact that things are not as they should be. And that's what it's telling us. It's, it's a truthful thing of the blueness of our fallen condition. And if you, think, if you look at how humanity tends to deal with the blueness, especially as our bodies progress in, in age, um, we can be tempted to deny it. And just pretend it 's not there, and then eventually it might catch up with you in undeniable ways um, but we we see that happening. We can also be tempted to defy it, and there are many methods now to seek to reduce the effects of aging they can 't reverse any of that but um, but there are also so there's there 's one way of just trying to defy it in a way that 's saying like this isn 't something that 's happening, and it's it 's not acknowledging the blueness of it but there there are good and appropriate ways that we as Christians can steward our bodies well um, without seeking to defy our mortality, right? So there are a lot of things we can do maybe to lessen the blueness that's different than saying, I will fight the blueness um, in a way that's beyond what we should do. Um, So denying it and defying it aren't wise. What are we supposed to do with the blueness of aging bodies? Well, Scripture is full of the call to lament the loss. Seeing the blueness of the fallenness of what's going on in our bodies, it takes us toward God rather than away from him. And it takes us toward him in saying, I see this as you see it. I see the testimony of how things are not as they should be. And my body is screaming out that it longs to be made right. And I'm coming to you, God, with a complaint that acknowledges that, that this is messed up, that I don't like it, that it's painful, that it's um, often a horrible thing to have to go through. We can bring that to God and lament. And we can lament all the different categories of beauty that have been affected by the fall. Um, Holistic beauty. We are crying out for a world and a body that would display beauty like it was made to do. And a body that's missing part of itself is crying out to be made whole again, right? So we see this lack of holistic beauty. We also lament uh, the loss of fittingness and fitting beauty, um, of things just being made what they were made to be. Um, The arthritic hand, right, that's able to do less than it was able to do. We take that to God and we say there's a fittingness that's being lost. There's a functionality that's being lost because of the fall. And then ethical loss, um, the loss of ethical beauty. These bodily losses that we experience in aging, they affect our ability to ethically relate to God, don't they? Um, These bodily losses they affect our ability to ethically relate to God or um, to show godliness. They affect it. They don't take it away. And and here's what I mean by this. One of the things that um, I find is hardest in speaking with believers that they often lament the most in aging is how that diminished capacity in various ways is affecting their relationship with God how it is harder for them to read their Bible. It is harder for them because of failing eyesight. It's harder for them to retain thoughts of God. It's harder to show up at church and sit through a sermon. All of these things are just saying that the fallenness of my body is affecting my relationship with God. Now what we'll see is there's a corresponding green and red to all of that as well but there's loss in it that we can take to God. It's not saying that relating to God as we age is in any way impossible, but it's acknowledging that it's taking on different forms as as we go through that. And so what do we do? We lament that. We take this to God. We stare it in the face and say, I don't like this, and this is loss. But part of what we also do is seeing the blueness of fallenness, can also make us thankful for what was. Um, It can be very tempting as we age to see it as all loss and skip the part where we look back and we thank God for what we were able to enjoy at other phases that maybe are harder now. Um, And so there's an opportunity for thankfulness in remembering the good gifts of God. Um, So we lament the loss, we can thank God for what was, and then the blueness also makes us long for what will be, doesn't it? As we are honest about the things that are changing and the aspects of beauty that um, may be lost from what they were, it makes us long for what is to come and when God makes all things right. And that's. That's what Scripture says is going on. In, in Romans 8.23, it says not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that age to come life brought to us now by the Spirit. What is, what is going on? We are groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons. And notice that the culmination of that salvific experience is described as the redemption of our bodies. Um, glorified bodily life is something that the the blueness of this life makes us long for and groan for. For in this hope, resurrected bodily existence, we were saved. And so we see the blue light, right, of glory lost by the fall and the blue light of beauty lost by the fall and as we move toward death. Now, it's not all because of the fact that we're moving toward death, right? Like, we can we can look at any aspect of us, the ethical beauty we were created to display, and because of the fall, it it isn't what it once was, um, what it was made to be, and so all of that is lamentable. But that's not the only thing, right? That's That's the sad part of it. Um, I think that's the part that, for many of us, can be easiest to see if we're not denying it. Um, We can see that. But there's also the green light that is always a part of what God is doing, the glory that remains. And so seeing and responding to the beauty that remains. And what that calls us for is to see and to thank God for what remains. You know, it's easy when it comes to our bodies to only see the loss of the ideal selfie, right? To only see it as loss. To measure everything in terms of how far it is from the ideal. But part of understanding the glory story is that glory always remains in this life that's between the ages, and therefore beauty remains. And so rather than only noticing that your skin isn't as tight and smooth as it used to be, um, you can also notice that your face still moves and displays emotion in a way that shows the glory of God as an image bearer, right? Um, Your hands, even though they might not work quite like they used to, they still can help and touch and serve. Your feet, even though they're slower than they once were, can still move you toward others. And um, I I think there's a lot more to say about this, but I do think that when we think of um, people with disabilities, we tend to think of it incompletely as only blue light, as only loss. And there's a whole understanding of disability theology, which is saying, wait a minute, glory is still there. And it's not all defined, all, all that change or disability is not only seen as loss and a derivation from some ideal, but there's this whole aspect of green and then even red that we'll talk about in just a moment. So I, th- I think it shapes how we view our, our bodily beauty, but I think it, it shapes how we... Um, view all of these losses in life. And so we're to be thankful for beauty that remains because it's received as a gift. 1 Timothy 4, four. everything created by God is good. When we see the goodness of creation that remains, nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, right? And so we can thank God for the glory that remains in our bodies um, that is there, And then we can also see the beauty of this phase of life. This is where I think there's probably a lot of room for us to grow from where we kind of naturally think about these things. Um, It's that reminder and call to look for the fittingness of this this phase of life that I'm in. What holistic, fitting, and ethical beauty is shown in my body, and, and what does this season of life display in particular? Um, we talked last week just about the fittingness of babies and young children, like how squishy they are. There's just something right about the squishiness, right? Um, we're not made to be like that forever. There's also something that's very fitting about um, the the leaning and even the acne and all the things that accompany transitioning into adulthood, right? Um, there's something fitting about that. There's something fitting about hands that are seasoned with calluses from years of labor, even though calluses may not be seen in society as something beautiful in and of themselves. There's something that's fitting about thinning skin and prominent veins that's reflecting years of caring for others and engaging in this world. And even if we think about our, well, graying hair or loss of hair is showing a maturing and a ripening that's right and good. And our body's shape changes with time. And the changing shape of our bodies is saying more than just the distance from what it once was. It's saying more than just the blue. It's telling of different gains of various sorts, the gains perhaps of children or grandchildren, the the years of experience of joys and sorrows that have added a richness to your life that are reflected in the wrinkles in your face. And these things are all shown in your body in a way that you did not possess and were not shown in the same way when you were younger. And learning to see that good is something that is so much bigger than selfie beauty. There's a fittingness, a goodness, to finding enjoyment in the gifts that God has given in the present situation that's what the preacher of Ecclesiastes is longing for us to understand. There's this overarching, beautifying work that God is doing of making all things beautiful in his time. That's his prerogative. What is our beautiful response? Ecclesiastes 5 tells us, behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting. That's beauty language there. What I've seen is beautiful for people to do is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Green is learning to see that even in this present situation, gift from God is here for me to enjoy. It might be a gift that has changed. It's a gift that's full of blue light too, but it is gift nonetheless. And it's a beautiful thing when I see it and I enjoy it when I see the beauty of it. So that's the green light aspect of um, seeing embodied beauty that remains. And then there's also the red light, right? Um, Seeing and responding to the beauty that's being gained. Our categories as Christians are not simply what remains and what was lost. It's not just blue and green. By God's redemptive work, beauty is being gained right now, which is an amazing thing. Um, another way of saying that is heaven's glory is has broken in upon your life and where glory is, beauty is. Um, Scripture says it in this way. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. That's the blue light of it, right? It's the loss. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. That's the red redemptive gain that's happening. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. Notice that it's a, a glorying work beyond all comparison. That's where it's all headed. Um, And and as Paul describes what that process is, he says, And we all, with unveiled face, are beholding the glory of the Lord, um, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What is that saying? It's saying that as we are beholding the glory of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit, what is happening? God is at work refashioning us into the image that we were made for, the image that's after the likeness of the Lord Jesus. And the more that we are being formed into his image, it means glory is being shown, and where glory is, beauty is. There is the beauty of heavenly life that is permeating your bodily existence. Um, no matter how much the blue light is ramping up by aging and loss, and no matter how much the green light of the beauty that remains seems like it's getting smaller and smaller, actually, in the life of a believer, the red light often is dialing up in ways that are just unfathomable to us in, in earlier phases of life. And so what this is a call to is really two things. It's a call, first of all, to see heaven's beauty in your body. To see heaven's beauty in your body. To see that when your body is putting on display any aspect of Christ-likeness, that is the beauty of heaven being put on display through you and through your body. A listening ear, Christ-like words, heavenly patience that shone in closed lips and contented feet limping legs and shaking hands that are still moving toward another person in love, they're showing heaven's beauty as they do those things. A smile that can be racked by loss of teeth and an abundance of wrinkles, it can show heaven's peace, even as it's showing loss, right? Uh, It's an amazing thing to see heaven's beauty breaking in in the bodies of others, and to see that that is also true in your own life as God is at work in you. You can think of the experience of visiting an, an older saint in the hospital, someone who has walked faithfully with the Lord, whose life has been reduced so much to a, a bed existence, right? And we'll we'll talk about the effects of that on personhood next week. But have you had the experience where you see what would testify so much to loss and what once was, And yet in such a short, simple encounter, there's a heavenly beauty and glory that comes through their eyes or if they're able to speak, and it bursts in and it screams of something beyond all of this. That's the red light of redemptive beauty breaking in that will one day overwhelm all the loss and be all that we experience. So learning to see heaven's beauty as it's shown in a body is an amazing skill to grow in as believers, and it will help us all as we love those who are aging and as we ourselves age. But there's one more aspect to it. I mean, you could talk about redemptive beauty forever, but I would just summarize it also as this learning to see the gain in the loss. Paul is saying in Romans 8 that the things that should kill us, God somehow subverts so that through them we become super conquerors. But that super conquering isn't just that those things bounce off of you. They can be the very things that lead us toward Death itself, sheep to be slaughtered, the perception of the world around us. And yet, in those very sites of loss, God is bringing about gain, which is just something that's amazing to think about. When we think about it bodily, we could just think of it like this. The place in your body that should speak only of loss, you could summarize it by a scar, perhaps, it can also show beauty at the same time because God is at work even in and especially in the losses of our life to bring about a beauty that's hard for us to fathom. What what does that mean? You can ask the question, what do your scars and your losses reveal about God's redemptive beauty? You know, some may look at their arms and see needle marks that testify to years of drug use. Um, and they proclaim blue light, right? Loss, um, running into sin for years on end. But those same scars can at the very same time also proclaim the relentless love of God who drew you to himself even though you were running away from him time and time again. Do you see how the scar can also be the sight of beauty? The, the missing leg can show the loss from combat or a work accident, but it can also at the same time show a God who sustains and gives strength in weakness. The, the ring finger that may reveal aching loneliness, either from being divorced or widowed or never married when you longed to be married, that same finger can also testify to the satisfying love of God and the faithfulness and the blessing of your spiritual family who has cared for you through that loss and through that pain. And so part of what God wants us to be able to see is that he is at work nonstop saying, I will bring glory and beauty into the places where apart from my work, all that would be is blue light and loss. And that's there all the time. And he's working in us by his spirit to help us see that. And so what does this mean? It means that as we think about seeing beauty in our bodies regardless of what phase that we're in or as we think about seeing beauty in others it's having all of those wavelengths as a part of the light of seeing ourselves and other people that yes there are going to be things that testify to beauty lost in all kinds of ways there are going to be things that testify to the fact that beauty remains those echoes of eden are still there and beauty's coming And then there's also this red light aspect that even in the midst of all of that, God is at work making all things beautiful in his time and there are glimpses of beauty where we would expect to find only loss. And one day, it all gives way to the fullness of the beauty that we were made for. Um, As we go throughout seasons of life, I think it's just helpful to realize these aspects are always there, but our experience is often that the light is changing and our eyes need to adjust to the light. And when we find ourselves in seasons of blueness, of the beauty that's lost, there's, there's the lament and the taking it to God, but there's also realizing that green and red are still there. Um, and then in seasons of much green, it's knowing that that is not a time to be worshipped or clung to, um, but it is a gift to be enjoyed. And so um, the the changing of that lighting, I think, kind of gives voice to the experience that we have. So, um, next week, we'll talk about the glory of aging minds, which will bring bring this into another phase that's saying, okay, how do we think about, in, in particular, our relationship with God and others um, when we find that our minds aren't working as they used to work? And in particular, um, when we find minds that have been affected by dementia in its various forms, how do we see glory and beauty in that? How do we relate to those who are going through that? And how do we think about the potential for that even in ourselves? So uh, we'll talk about that next week. Why don't I pray? And then um, if you have questions, we could talk in between or um, we might be able to next week flesh this out a bit more. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the wonder of your plan and your work. We pray that you would help us to grow in our vision of your glory as it's put on display. I pray that you'd help us to grow in our longing for what will one day be. And will you help us to see and to seek um, beauty, both in our own lives and then to see it well in others and affirm that for them too. And we thank you for your plan to one day make all things beautiful in your time. We pray that you'd give us strength until that day. In Jesus' name, amen.